It was getting out of debt that really taught me the principles I needed to know about taking care of myself in general. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Ella, and today we are talking about finances, financial health, a different twist on wellness for the On Air with Ella audience. And I have brought on somebody who is uniquely equipped to speak to this subject who may surprise you. And that person is my return guest, Elizabeth Benton of Primal Potential. Hey, Elizabeth, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you back. And I wanted to, I very intentionally, when I set out on this series, where we are talking about the life balance wheel. And again, if you don't know what that is, you need to go back, please, to episode 82 and listen to me kick off this series. And as always, you can jump in the show notes and you can get the graphic of the life balance wheel. And this will make so much more sense. But put simply, there are eight key topics we're going to cover in this series. And one of them is financial health. And, and I firmly and unapologetically believe that financial freedom and financial health have everything to do with your health, happiness, and fulfillment in this life. And I happen to know someone who has lived that story and can share that with you and be of service to you in this capacity. And that's Miss Elizabeth Benton. Yeah, you know, it's not a journey of mine that I talk about a lot, but It's the one from which I really learned the most and maybe even the one from which I grew the most and achieved the most freedom. Um, And so I'm super excited to talk about it with you today. Yeah. And I mean, I know some people are even just turned off by the idea of talking about financial health. And to Mm -hmm. me, those are the people that need to stick around, please. I beg you. And also I know how you feel like feels like this grown up burden that I have to deal with is figuring out how to manage everything and make it work and so on and so forth. But so I totally relate. And at the same time, Elizabeth, when you are financially under the thumb, when you have that financial boulder on your back, you cannot thrive in every other area of your life. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I agree. You suffer in every arena because there is this unyielding tension and pressure because of your finances. And conversely, Elizabeth, when you fix it, when you address the issue, to me, it is just like, it is freedom and victory and all empowering and just absolutely fills you with capacity for so many other things and so much other accomplishment. So I want to get into this topic today with you. And, and one of the reasons is that a lot of people know, Elizabeth, about you, that you've lost more than 140 pounds through your own wellness journey. But I'm not sure everybody knows that you also lost and rid yourself of more than $130,000 of debt in less than two years. Sure did. That's amazing. And I want you to tell everyone about it. But first, I think it's super important that we understand your journey a little bit. So how did this debt that you were under, how did that have anything to do with your wellness journey? Like, why are these two so parallel? 
Well, paying off the debt came first. It came before I tackled my weight. So I was obese. I was 350-ish pounds at the time. And I had over $100,000 in debt between me and my husband at the time. Most of it was student loans. And when we got married, we were we both had good jobs and we were making decent livings, but I felt so much tension and pressure with the fact that when we got paid, most of it was going out to pay our debt, to pay our bills. And I felt like, wait, is this what I worked so hard for? Is this what I went for to school for? To feel like after we pay all of our debts, there's like nothing left over and no ability to really do fun things or travel. And what we found was that most of our friends and our peers were doing fun things and were traveling, but they were putting it on credit cards and they were growing their mountain of debt. And I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so I wanted financial freedom and I wanted to no longer feel that burden. And I knew it was going to take a lot of hard work. And I think part of it was that I liked a challenge. And so I decided unilaterally for myself and my then husband that we were going to get out of debt and we were going to eliminate every penny of that $130,000 in debt. And we did. And it just so happens that at the same time, I was tremendously frustrated with my growing and lifelong weight issue. And it was getting out of debt that really taught me the principles I needed to know about taking care of myself in general, in every aspect of my life, which I just think is so cool and so fun. And I wish it was something that I had more time to talk about. So I'm thrilled to be sharing kind of what I learned from getting out of debt and applying that, how I was able to apply that to other areas of my life and my health. But I think the first thing that I really want to say is sort of a foundation to this whole discussion that we're going to have is I would bet that there are a ton of people listening right now who feel like their debt is just too big or their debt is too big relative to what they bring home every month. And what I want to say is no matter how big your debt burden, no matter how much or how little you make, I promise you that you can do this. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I, but this is not just a message for people who make a lot of money. And this is not just a message for people who have a lot of debt, right? Because over $100,000 is certainly a lot of debt. You can pay that off without bringing home a tremendous amount of money. So this, this conversation, and I know you agree with me that this is really an everybody kind of thing, even though it doesn't feel like that. And I know it doesn't feel like that. Oh, absolutely. And frankly, even for the people who are not suffering from mountains and mountains of debt, maybe, maybe only because their revenue happens to be higher than their expenses, they can still have a problem controlling their expenses. So this is totally applicable to the person who shopping might be their favorite hobby or who is seeking fulfillment, maybe not through binging on chocolate chip cookies, but buying shoes. Right, right. (laughs) And the stress that comes with that. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, do whatever you want to do, guys. Do whatever works for you. If it's serving you, you keep doing it. But what we want to do is we want to share a perspective with you that your financial house, your financial welfare, if you will, minding that consciously, whatever choices you end up making, just like anything, just like nutrition, just like anything, do it mindfully. Yeah, financial health can look like different things to different people. And we're not trying to say what financial health looks like, but rather how you can get to a point where you feel at peace with your financial situation. You feel in control. 
So one thing that I want to make really clear is that Elizabeth and I are not dispensing financial advice, although I will say some of our own tactics will sneak into this conversation, and I hope that they are useful to you. But we are not pretending to be financial advisors to you in any way. We just want to share, as always, personal experience that may or may not resonate with you. I have a larger goal, though, Elizabeth. My goal is, no matter what your financial situation is, that it is not in charge of you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That you find a place where you feel at peace with your finances, whatever that looks like in your life. Yeah, because somebody might not be drowning in debt at all. Like they might be completely fine in that regard. And yet they're using shopping as a coping mechanism. At the end of the day, the why you're doing things and whether it's serving you or not is kind of what I'm all about. And it's really where I want to go with this. So I hope that we will speak to you no matter where you are. But that said, I do happen to know that debt is an absolutely crushing element in far too many people's lives. Totally agree with you. All right. So a lot of the fear and the doubt and the anxiety that comes up when we start talking about this is so similar to the stuff we talk about on the show on every other topic. So the parallels are amazing. But you really bring this home when you say that, you know, finding financial freedom saved you. You actually use the words that it saved you. And it was the only thing that really laid the groundwork to make your wellness journey possible. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, I think that was because I had so much negativity and so many mm, unfortunate experiences in the way I was caring for my physical health for 26 years or so. And I wasn't ready to take that on yet. There was so much negativity there, so much self-doubt there. The lack of confidence was like astonishing. Mm -hmm. But when it came to money, I didn't have that long history of lack of confidence. I just sort of saw this mountain of debt and said, I'm going to tackle it. And there wasn't all this emotional baggage there, which freed me up to be able to take kind of action in a way that I wasn't able to in some of the other areas of my health at that time. But I will say one thing that I noticed right out of the gate was a real tendency, like I did with my physical health, a real tendency to look at the journey as so big and so overwhelming that there was no possible way. And I'm grateful that I didn't let that stop me because so many times we get out ahead of ourselves and we think, how can I do this? This will take years. How am I going to be consistent for years? How am I going to do the work for years? I'll never get there. And what that does is it puts our attention on something other than right now. The only time we can ever make a positive change is today, right now, with what we do today. And I noticed this tendency to be so focused on down the road that I was missing opportunities or straight up just pushing away opportunities to take action in the present and learning that the long-term journey, like it doesn't matter. That is what it is. But what is here today is an opportunity for me to make progress. And I cannot let that slip by because I'm too busy wasting energy stressing about six months from now. So you wrote a brilliant blog post on this that I'll share with everyone in the show notes. And you talk about how this resolving your financial situation is what laid the ground for you to be able to pursue your weight loss really in earnest and finally nail that. But you draw some really brilliant parallels and this is one of them that you're just touching on now. And that is that the small choices comprise the bigger situation. And we so often think, oh, let's just use the figure $100,000. $100,000 is absolutely crushing. I cannot do it. It's a mountain I cannot climb. I think I'll go shop and cope. <laughs> yep. And the flip perspective of that is, 
I can pay down $10 today and redirecting your attention to what can I do today? I cannot buy the latte today, right? I can update my budget today. In every time you catch your attention drifting to like, oh my gosh, but what about six months ago? We're supposed to go on this trip and da, 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 what can I do today? Today, I can say no to those shoes, even though they're totally adorable and I absolutely don't need them. And what I found is that I had this tendency to say, oh, this one thing doesn't make a difference. I mean, hello, we're $130,000 in debt. What's a latte, right? And this notion of this one thing doesn't make a difference and switching from I'll start tomorrow or this one thing doesn't count to my mantra, which I talk about all the time, which is just for today, just for today. I can say no to Starbucks just for today. I can keep my receipts and enter them into my budget. When I get home just for today, we can cook dinner at home instead of going out. And that flip from, Oh, I'll start tomorrow. Oh, this one little thing, because the one little thing is the only thing. If you think about one raindrop doesn't make a difference, right? But that raindrop day after day, year after year can carve rock. Like it's really significant. You think one grain of sand doesn't matter, but when it's choice after choice, grain after grain after grain after grain after grain, you have this huge pile. So of course those things matter. And we've got to stop telling ourselves that they don't. That's, that's all there is. All there is is the small things. All the big things are a collection of the small things. Well, and statistically speaking, people don't typically get into financial trouble because, you know, they went to Vegas and they blew it. It's the small steps where they say it doesn't matter and it's inconsequential. You know, in nutrition world, it's the cupcake at the office birthday party. It doesn't count. Right. But in, in the financial world, it's, oh, it's just this one thing. And look, it's on sale. And, and then that one thing you're paying credit card debt on. So you're automatically paying X percent more on that a month. And then it's compounding. And that's how debt occurs. You have the big, big hits like student loans and any any other kind of, you know, car, house, whatever uh, that might be beyond your means. And then you have all of these small choices day to day. And those tend to be the things that sink the ship. Absolutely. Because those small things, when you think, yeah, well, I owe on my car and I owe on my student loans and I owe on my house. Well, you understand that you could be putting all of those small things towards those big things. Those are optional. Every single choice either moves you closer to your goal or further from your goal. Every single one. Every time you make a choice that reflects self-discipline, Every time you make a choice that is aligned with your goals, you are making it more likely that you will make that choice again. But on the flip side, every time you make a choice that says, oh, this one thing doesn't matter. Oh, just this one time. Oh, it's on sale. You are making it more likely that you will make that kind of choice again. So every single choice has a consequence. And that's why looking at it just just for today just for today i can skip the latte just for today i can say no to the shoes just for today i can stay in for dinner it really builds exponentially on itself yeah and it teaches you that you can do it elizabeth can you share what are some of the very first things that you did this was a sea change for you what were some mm -hmm. of the first actions that you took well the first and one of the most painful was putting all the debts down on paper. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really painful, especially because you you don't know what that total number is until you do that, right? And you have this general sense, like this is what I owe on my car, this is what I owe on my house, but I remember that we bought our wedding rings on credit. I might've been like a big old red flag, um, but we bought, <laughs> we bought our, our wedding rings on credit. 
right? And so seeing that little thing and the other little thing and then uh, furniture uh, uh, that was bought on credit and then a little student loan here that was only like $3,500 and then a bigger student loan here that was like $22,000. Getting that all down on paper, I used to be a person who would rather avoid it, rather not see the truth because it hurts. But you know what? I was living the truth, whether I was looking at it or not, and I knew that I had to know what I was dealing with. So while that was supremely uncomfortable, it was one of the most important steps. And I will tell you what. I fell in love with that little spreadsheet. I really did. I still have that spreadsheet because every time I would make a $10, a $15, a $100 payment towards the smallest debt, I would go into my spreadsheet and I would update it. And I was able to see progress. Even if it was tiny little stuff, it grew over time as we paid off smaller debts, then we were able to put more towards the next one. And so it sucked and that was awful, but it was so important in being able to see our progress and staying motivated because we could see our progress. Yeah. You say something about this. You say without goals and a plan, not only would it have been hard to stay motivated, it probably would have been impossible to get to where we needed to go. Weight loss is no different. You've got to break it down into smaller parts, establish small short-term goals and focus your energy toward them. But you can't hit a target you can't see. Yeah, I mean, I think especially in my situation where there were multiple debts and lots of them, if it was just like, oh, let's just try and pay them off, it would have been so scattershot. And I really feel like focusing and having a plan that says this tiny little guy, we're going after you, it just made it feel much more concrete and not so amorphous because I think it would have been really overwhelming to just, we're going to pay down debt. And then we have all this debt and we don't have a lot of extra money coming in. But when you break it down and you see it in front of you and you know what you're going after, it feels doable. It did not feel doable to say, we're going to pay off $130,000. It did feel doable to say, this guy here that's $740,000, we are going after him. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that if everybody took nothing away other than that one tactic, which is just put it all down on paper, just put it all down in one place and something else that I hope you get more out of this than that. But if you just, if that was your one takeaway, I think it is extremely powerful. And I think it helps with another element, Elizabeth. And I, I think you were pretty open about having this in your own experience. And I know a lot of other people are a lot of times our partner might not have the same philosophy. I would think that putting this down on paper is a great way to almost neutralize the conversation because you're like it's not me there it is (laughs) right well I realized that while this was very important to me I couldn't unilaterally spend his salary without him being somewhat on board so this is what I did because he god bless him he really loved being able to spend his paycheck as he saw fit what I said is okay if we do this understand that right now you have this much discretionary money after we pay our bills. So you can't do that much. But if you are willing to trust me in kind of managing this process mm-hmm. for let's let's give it a year. I said, let's give it a year and see what happens in a year. If you are willing to trust me to manage this process, you could be in a situation where you have this much money to play with at the end of the month. <laughs> I hope you said it in that tone. 
I'm sure I did. I'm sure. I'm sure I did. There's there's a whole nother episode in here, guys. In in all seriousness, a lot of people struggle with, you know, their partner not being on board. And for whatever reason, human nature is such that sometimes one of you is trying to, you know, strengthen this financial boat that you're in and the other one is poking holes in it. And I just wonder if you have any specific strategies in addition to what we've already touched on for dealing with that when the partner's not on board and and i'll summarize uh, the two that we've just articulated and one is put them on paper like when you put them on paper then it then it is what it is and i love that you said you know i'm living the truth whether i'm looking at it or not i'm living my reality whether i'm looking at it or not and so when if you have a partner who's not on board it can be quite useful to just say here's our landscape like this is the state Mm -hmm. of the union right now and the second thing that you've said is pointing out the benefits and and so that is you know if you'll get on board with me, then look, you, you've got five bucks at the end of the month. And if we resolve our plan, you know, here's your $1,500 a month to do with That's as right. you will. Like there's a reward here. Any, any other just tactics for dealing with a reluctant partner? Absolutely. And I think one of them was I asked, will you give me this time and I will manage the process? Oh, right? like, that's will, smart. And it wasn't, we're forever getting out of debt starting now, get on board, bucko. It was, listen, this is going to take a while, but what if we agree to do this for a year and then we'll reevaluate and we won't be out of debt in a year and we weren't, but then if you decide, nope, we're just going back to minimum monthly payments, then we'll do that. So, and for some people it might be six months. I don't think it could be a week, but I asked, that was number one. Number two, there was some compromise in there in that had I been single at the time, it probably would have been a little bit more gangbusters than it was. But I said, okay, what is the hap- Like, what are you not willing to be without? NFL Sunday ticket? Got it. What is it? And that will look different in every single relationship. And so I think understanding what is your reservation in this? Because people are weird about money and it's a very personal thing. And we all grow up. We come into a marriage or a relationship. We have very different paradigms around money. And so respect that. What is it really important for you to have? Visibility? Do you want to make sure that I'm just not, you know, taking every extra cent and you don't know what's happening with it. What kind of visibility do you need? Do you want to sit down with this spreadsheet with me once a week and kind of review what we're doing? All of those things play together and don't be combative. I I wish somebody had said that to me then maybe would have resolved some tension, but it doesn't have to be a big nightmare. Like kind of laugh at yourselves about it. It can be a fun experience where you grow together. And I will be the first one to say, even though we're not together now, he got so on board. And I know now that he tells everybody what a game changer it was to pay off debt, period. This is such a core, core issue in relationship, in individuals, whether you're in a relationship or not. For some reason, money just gets us, right? Like it it either is serving us or we are serving it. And it's like there is no gray area. And this is such a root cause issue with people and in relationship. And we can't possibly go as deep into that as I would like today. But I just want to acknowledge that and just say that I know that when you're sorting out a financial situation and there is a partner involved or a family member involved, that it can be a highly emotionally charged issue. And the truth is, 
there's power in just recognizing that and acknowledging that between you, um, mm-hmm. it, whether you're dealing with your parents or whether you're dealing with siblings on an issue or with a spouse or a long-term partner or any, anything of that nature. And it's deeply, deeply emotional, but you can take some of the air out of that if you acknowledge it and you say, wow, and you, and you actually can identify what your per- personal triggers are. As you said, everybody comes into the situation pre-programmed based on the experience, the life experiences that they've had up until that point. And I think I, I would also, the last thing I'd say on that is that I think in a romantic relationship, Both people ultimately want the same thing. They want to be happy. They want to enjoy life. They want to feel peaceful. Sometimes we don't articulate that, but if we come at it from the stance of what do we both want here? And we're clearly going about it different ways, but what's it going to take for us to both feel reasonably satisfied and still be responsible with our money so that we can both feel peaceful? So many times we just get caught up in the emotion and it's, you don't want what I want and I don't want what you want. So let's fight it out. Instead, start instead of where you're different, start with where you're the same and work from there. Another parallel that you have made between your wellness journey and your financial journey is quite simply that it required a plan, a timeline, and some goals. And I think we've touched on that, Elizabeth, but is there anything that you want to reiterate there? I think that you have to be familiar with the plan, but not attached to it, right? So, so many people will talk about the importance of having a plan, and I totally agree. But where that can trip us up is when we become emotionally attached to the plan where we go into victim mode as soon as something happens that isn't reflected in our plan. And I can tell you right now, whether it's a relationship or it's a health goal or it's your financial journey, your plan, it's going to change. It is a moving document. Okay. And I think we have to look at any plan that way as an alive, organic, living, breathing document that will very likely change on the daily. It is a blueprint and not like turn by turn directions, right? And I talk about this with my clients related to health in terms of like your GPS versus like a a, a map, right? We want to know generally, we want to move in this direction, but we don't want to be head down going, no, I'm supposed to take a left right here. No, I'm supposed to take a right right here. No, I have to take a U-turn. Instead, the general direction I want to go in is this. And the reason that I point that out is because there's very little that's more frustrating than when you have said, I'm going to have this small debt paid off, or I'm going to have this much in savings by this date. And then something comes up like you have to get new tires or you owe some taxes or your kids need braces. And then you feel like you failed and you haven't because you're just going by compass here. It's a directional thing. You can have specifics, but understand that those are not mandates. They're just guidelines and we want to move directionally understand that the challenges will come and i think you will be so far ahead of the game if you not only know that your plan is going to get shaken up that you expect it that way when you blow out a tire and you need new tires or the kid need braces you're not like god this is my plan this is going to mess up my timeline instead you're like "Eh, i knew this is going to happen and i think that if you look at it from that perspective of "Eh, well This is bound to happen and now we're just going to adjust and that's okay because the plan is just loose. You save yourself not only emotional energy, but those moments of sabotage when you tell yourself, well, screw it. I might as well go out to dinner now or I might as well buy those shoes because the kid needs braces. So this month is shot. No, it's not. It's never shot. You've got to understand 
that the challenges, the little hiccups will come and you should expect them. All of these things we're trying to work on in ourselves don't feel so monumental when you're like, no, wait, if I master the rhythm of habit Mm -hmm. formation, I can change my whole life in every area. (laughs) And one of the most powerful things, I think when we think it's kind of like they say, if you, if you learn 5% of the words in a language, you can be like 80% conversational or something like Mm -hmm. that. It's really the same thing with all aspects of our health and our wellness and our happiness. If we learn just 5% of these skills, we solve 80% of our problems, whether that's weight, whether that's fitness, whether that's relationships, whether that's money. And one of the big ones that relates to sort of not being really staunchly attached to your plan is I tell myself all the time and I tell my clients, they probably get sick of it. Everything that happens to me happens for me. And while that can be a real tough one when something happens that you just weren't expecting, whether it's a medical bill or anything like that, the reality is that there is an opportunity for you to prove to yourself that you can handle adversity. Because one thing that's sure in life is that there is more adversity coming your way. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, probably all of the above. And your ability to not get all rattled and the sky is falling in victim mode is going to serve you in all aspects of your life, financial, health, emotional, you name it. Exactly. And I said at the top of the show that we are not financial advisors and we don't play them in iTunes and that (laughs) we are not dispensing financial advice. Now that said, if we have experiences that we can share that would resonate with somebody or even principles that might work for somebody else, I think that's of some use. So with that said, Elizabeth, what are some really hyper-specific things that you did? Like, I'm super curious because I know that you paid attention to the work of Dave Ramsey. And a lot of people are familiar with him. I'll link to some of his key books in the show notes. Uh, Most notably, I will link to Total Money Makeover, which I know had a profound impact on your path forward. But can you get specific with us? What are some things Mm -hmm. you did? What are some rules that you made for yourself in that season? So one very, very fundamental thing was, as I mentioned, getting it on paper, all of the debts and then how much money was coming in. You got to know that, right? And then from there, my objective was to only focus on the smallest debt. All right. So in order to do that, I was still making, it's not like I stopped making minimum payments on the bigger debts. Definitely didn't do that. But any extra amount of money went towards that smallest debt until it was gone. And then we moved up to the next smallest one. And that's what Dave Ramsey teaches in Total Money Makeover. And I found that to be really helpful because some of the debts just seemed huge. Like, will we ever pay off this, Mm -hmm. you know, $45,000 student loan? Um, So that was one thing. The other thing, and this is very common sense, but I find that most things in life are, and complexity is the enemy of execution. So I'm a huge fan of everything simple. Good thing for my simple brain. (laughs) But one thing was to look at all of our recurring expenses. So not our debts per se, but how much are we paying on our cell phones? How much are we paying for television? How much are we paying for car insurance, for everything? And I called all of those places and I figured out what the options were to lower the bill. Sometimes when you're calling like a cable company, it's really easy. You just say like, what specials are you running right now? And and you typically can get them to knock some money uh, off your bill. I had some success in going from like a $140 monthly bill to like a $35 bill with no change in service. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so cable, internet, 
car insurance, uh, cell phones, you know, are you using all of the data on your cell phone plan or does it make sense for you to knock down a tier and save 20 bucks a month? All of those little things, it doesn't seem like it makes much of a difference, but if you can find $130 a month in savings, that's a significant chunk of change every month going towards that smaller debt. Uh, so that was one phone call that that I made to, to all of the bills just to see what kinds of things could be cut looking to save money on groceries. And even though I wasn't actively like losing weight at this point in time, I started paying attention to coupons and to not snacking, right? Not getting stuff out of a vending machine, not going out for lunch at work, different things like that, that all in all, it was maybe only a total of a couple hundred bucks a month, but that really made a difference. And that money grows, right? Because let's say that the smallest debt had a $40 monthly payment. And then we came up with an extra $200 uh, by changing, you know, our habits and cutting down some of our expenses. Well, that's $240 dollars towards that monthly monthly debt but then when that one's paid off you've got another forty dollars to go towards the other ones because you don't have that lower bill mm -hmm. so those were some of the very specific things the other thing was what i called uh, or it was probably something i learned from dave ramsey that i don't remember specifically a zero based budget so this is based on how many times per month you get paid. At the time I was getting paid weekly. So every single dollar that came in was assigned to something. So it wasn't just like, oh, pay the bills and then like, well, I don't know, whatever. You literally assign a function for every dollar that comes in. And the other thing about that is that for things like groceries or gas money or, you know, like uh, at the time, I think we had maybe $50 a week for just kind of whatever incidentals, cash, carrying cash for those kinds of things that aren't bills that are just incidentals, using a cash-based system really made a big difference because there's something about spending with cash versus spending on a card that makes it more tangible, you don't want to break that $20 bill. You know, when you have to hand over two 20s, that's very different than handing them your debit card or your credit card. That is so true. And I took this philosophy to what some people would consider the extreme, but I was raised that you don't take out car loans. My, my dad was raised in very poor circumstances and every dollar he had he earned and he you know he is a self-made man as they say and he taught me a lot of fiscal responsibility and one of the things that he taught me was you know if you don't have the cash to buy it then you don't have the money to buy it and when it came to buying my first car he said you know how much money do you have in the bank minus all of these other things and this was when i was a teenager and they made it very clear that they wouldn't be the purchasers of my first car by the way <laughs> which taught me some fiscal responsibility at that age and he said, you know, there is no such thing as a car loan. Just like get it out of your brain. And I mean, honestly, I didn't even know you could get a loan to buy a car when I was 17 and bought my first car. And they said, you know, however much you can afford is how much you can afford. That's what kind of car you get. And uh, what that sounds so basic and so simple, but that lesson has stayed with me for my entire life. And so I have always paid cash for a car, which yep. to some people may sound super, I don't know, like almost boastful, which is ridiculous because if you think about the kind of car that I could buy on credit, it's very different than the kind of car I do buy with 
cash and I know I can afford it when I have the money to buy it. And so that is so different. And I am, please know, you guys already know, you've been around long enough, I hope to know that I am not judging you in any way. If you have two car loans right now, you are welcome here in this space. And I love you. This is not about preaching to you. This is just me sharing an experience from my own life that that was never entered into my consideration set. So it's just a matter of perspective. But now I I can't imagine, frankly, going into debt on an asset that starts declining in value literally the moment I own it and sign the papers. Well, and I think what's really important to sort of count what you just said is not only do you not have to apologize for your perspective or how you were raised and I absolutely I know you well enough personally to know you're not being judgmental but we can all change our paradigms at any point in time yeah right even if you were raised in a family where they use credit cards and it's no big thing and that's just what you do if you can't afford something and you put it on credit you might think oh I wish I was raised like Ella was raised you can change your paradigms at any point in time and that doesn't mean that you have to buy your next car with cash maybe maybe that's what you choose to do but one thing that that I did when we decided to get out of debt was we got rid of our credit cards. We just didn't have them anymore because A, I didn't want the temptation of, oh, well, we spent all the money this month, but it's no big deal because next month we can just cover this really quickly. I didn't want that temptation, but also I didn't want to add to the mountain of debt that we were working so hard to pay off. Now, I was raised in a family. My mom was financially conservative, but they absolutely did use credit cards. I decided as an adult to change my paradigms and we can do that you can do that now no matter how old you are you know what this reminds me of this reminds me of something that you talk about a lot and that I talk about a lot as well and that is stop telling yourself a story yes, <laughs> like absolutely. because whatever story or tell yourself the right story more accurately because whatever story you're telling yourself is the story you're going to live so if you're like oh my parents were careless with money or oh I'm careless with money that's just how I am or I don't care about money or I blah 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 blah, blah. I'm that, bad with money exactly yeah. that is a story you are telling yourself and therefore you will live it you can tell yourself a different story at any time. And the reality, the way I say this to my clients is when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm-hmm. Whatever you've done in the past, it's there. It's fine. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to defend it. You don't have to do that to us. And if you do it in your own head, you're just wasting your energy. When you can say, if I'm not where I want to be, it's my fault. If I'm not as successful as I want to be, it's my fault. If my finances are a mess right now, it's, it's my fault. Like I made those choices and there's no judgment. It's not like, oh, bad girl, bad boy. It's just, I made these choices. I'm here now and I can change it. Or I can sit here and tell all these stories about, well, it was because of this financial hardship or it was my divorce or it was my this, it was my that. Great. That's all real. That's all valid. And it has nothing to do with what you can do today to change your story. It's true. And you have the power within your means to change your story to whatever you want it to be and where, you know, money becomes your servant and you aren't serving it. Totally agree. And that is something that takes some courage because often we become emotionally attached to our stories. It's our defense mechanism. It's our ego. And it protects us from not feeling so great about ourselves, but like, let it go because there's one thing to protect your ego and there's another thing to create a life you want. And you kind of can't have both. 
Okay, I want to share one more tactic that I think is super useful. I'd love your perspective on that. And that is the habit of tracking, as Gretchen Rubin calls it in her book that I refer to all the time and will link to again. And this is something that you're a big proponent of in the world of nutrition and fat loss, Elizabeth. But for me, tracking when it comes to your personal finances is utterly critical. And I'll tell you what I mean. Free software or a moderately inexpensive program on your computer like Quicken, or I think there's one called Money, and I think it's free. I'm not sure. I'll link to several of them so that you can download the free one or you can cough up a few bucks for the slightly more complex software. Um, I use Quicken personally. Tr just tracking my expenses. You know, it used to be you like wrote things down in your checkbook register. I, I, I think some people still do that. <laughs> I just enter, I just download my stuff from my credit card and from my bank statements and I download it directly into the software and then I just check it and pay it and pay it off every month. And that is a super easy way. It's so much less manual. It's so much more automated than it used to be. And I know some people don't do that. A lot of people don't do that. And it, they, they feel a little powerless. Like they feel like they don't have the information at their fingertips. They feel a little bit like they're not in control and they can't put the their finger on information whenever they might need it. And honestly, it just makes it so much harder to create a budget if that's the route that you go in. And I just find that these, these super quick, you know, once a month, you might spend 20 minutes doing this. And it's a really, really easy way with a push of a button to see where your money's going. Yeah, I might be a little bit of an anomaly here in that I am supremely low tech. So when I was actively getting out of debt, I really truly did this with a spreadsheet and I, and I enjoyed it. So that worked for me at the time. Would you have uh, like and, an abacus and <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. I absolutely. How did you know? Move you know? One bead. I spent one bead at the grocery store. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. Okay. So you well, did this manually. I, I did from a debt standpoint, I did it manually oh, and that I get that I get, but even, but even my spending. Now, once we got out of debt and now I live debt-free and I run my business debt-free, if I were to get married again, or if I were to have children and my expenses were to change and I wouldn't have such a simple kind of budget, my budget right now is really, really simple. Is your money under your mattress? <laughs> so <laughs> Some of it is. Some of it is. <laughs> I think that in general, uh, some of the takeaways here are that figure out what will work for you because some action is better than no action. And so some of you might be absolutely astounded at how easy it is to actually get control over what's coming in and going out. And I want you to hear, and we'll let, we'll, we'll leave the actual strategies and the expertise to Dave Ramsey and to other experts that will link to their resources in the show notes. But let me, let me boil down the, the deep, deep insights that we're offering here. Okay. <laughs> write down on paper what you owe. Like, what are your liabilities? What debt do you have? Write down on paper how much money you have coming in. Figure out how much has to go out. Like, 
unquestionably has to go out, whether you have a mortgage or a rent, these things that are not optional. I am not talking about your cell phone. I am talking about absolute essentials only. You know what those are. Okay. Then Elizabeth pointed out to examine your recurring expenses. This is super powerful and can save you so much money. I literally just twice a year, I now have my assistant do it, but it's been a lifelong habit um, ever since I've been a grown up person. And twice a year, I call the cable company. I call the cell phone company. I call all of those recurring expenses, the utilities, that sort of thing. And I just ask questions and it always results in a lower recurring payment. Elizabeth, you've said essentially the same thing. And I I basically just, just, yeah, you just say, how can I lower this? And then when they give you any grief at all, you say, may I please speak with someone in your customer retention department? And then you ask the same questions again. Yep. (laughs) And I literally, I I just did this for somebody. I I did it as a favor to a family member and his cable slash phone, you know how everything's bundled now. His bill went from $220 a month to $130 a month, just because I spent seven minutes on the phone, which, you know, was exhausting, but everybody (laughs) lived. Um, And that's real money that goes directly now back into his pocket monthly. That's right. Um, That was a phone call, just FYI. Um, Carry cash so that you can actually feel the expenses that you are paying for and you're not quite as numb to them as you might be um, or impervious to them as you might be if you're just using a card. And then finally, tracking. Tracking we talked about, which is just see where things are going. Pay attention to where things are going, whether you're suffering from a mountain of debt or not. Empower yourself with the information. And then finally, absolutely, number one, stop telling yourself a story that doesn't serve you. And that could be, I'm not good with money, or it could be as simple as, oh, this one thing won't count. Either way, those choices all have consequences. And in both cases, they're not serving you. All right, Elizabeth, I just want to wrap up then with the huge carrot. We've talked about the stick a little bit, and I'd like to talk about the carrot now, the reward. And that is, what did it feel like when you were freed from your financial burden? What did that do for you? I couldn't have imagined it before because I had never experienced that kind of freedom. But to no longer worry, will there be enough money in the account to pay this bill or to no longer feel the anxiety of working so hard and not having anything to show for it, the anxiety of, oh my God, how long is it going to take to pay off these student loans? The freedom, it's pretty hard. I don't know that I can describe other than to say that it opened up my life in a way that I never would have imagined. And it removed so much pressure. The job I hated, I didn't have to stay at. Like that in and of itself was massive. That's amazing. And we touched on the relationship stress that is, you know, (laughs) that is not insignificant for many, many people. And it just, it frees up so much of your energy and rids you of so much stress that you can actually start turning your attention to other areas of your life. Whether you realize that this is weighing on you or not, when you finally get this burden off your back, it is absolutely one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself. If I hadn't paid down this debt and done that hard work, I know that I would not only have been able to leave my job and start a business, I would not have been able to lose over 100 pounds. It wouldn't have happened. So it it created the opportunity for two of the most life-changing things that came after. 
Well, thank you so much. I know money is weird. It makes us have weird feelings. And I hope everybody that you understand our intent and our intent is just to A, open our collective eyes to the fact that this really is an issue worth paying attention to and B, to maybe offer you some ways to think about it that might be useful to you. And none of those things, none of them involve pointing critical fingers at where you are today. In fact, that is exactly everything we are not doing. So I hope you found something useful here and something that you can file away and maybe take action on when you're ready. But Elizabeth, money is a hard topic and it creates all these feelings. And I just want to thank you for being so open with us. Thank you so much for letting me share my story. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you as always. Me too. Smooches. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com, where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.